the reduced purchasing power of clients. It's like a double-edged sword to a business. With interest rates going up, it is hard, so I have to get like, money from family in order to like, afford a down payment. Feeling the pinch grow more painful as people across the GTA watch interest rates rise and their bank accounts drain. Good evening. The news today coming from the central bank is meant to cool inflation, but it's doing little for many families other than raising temperatures and stress levels. The Bank of Canada today raising its key interest rate to 3.75%, adding more hikes may come in an effort to get food and fuel prices under control. If we don't do enough, Canadians will continue to endure the hardship of high inflation. And they will come to expect persistently high inflation, which will require much higher interest rates and potentially a severe recession to control inflation. Nobody wants that. Raheem Ladani joins us now with more on how people across the GTA are taking today's news. Raheem. Well, Michelle and Nathan, the Bank of Canada's decision to once again raise interest rates is supposed to help bring down the cost of living in the long run. But today, it means a lot more pain and a lot more frustration for Canadians. As the leaves fall in downtown Toronto, so too are people's expectations of one day owning a home. I don't think I would be able to afford a house probably until I have like a dual income in my 30s, if anything, definitely not on my own. With interest rates going up, it is hard, so I have to get like, money from family in order to like, afford a down payment. The Bank of Canada raised interest rates for a sixth consecutive time Wednesday. A rapid tightening of the economy impacting everyone. We just did a renovation, fairly major renovation, uh, on our line of credit, so we're certainly feeling the pinch. That tight squeeze is also being felt if you have a variable mortgage. The average home in Toronto sold for just under $1.1 million in September, with a variable rate of 5.2%. That equals a monthly mortgage payment of $5,217. With today's rate hike of 50 basis points, that payment is now $5,473, meaning you're now paying $256 more a month. Still think you're heading for a significant recession in Canada. Um, we think the die has already been cast on that front uh, after the significant rate hikes that, that took place earlier in the year. While inflation has been slowing in recent months, it's still well above the central bank's target of 2%. Probably eating out at restaurants a little bit less, focusing most of our variable spending on our kid. As Canadians look to get the most out of their money. Now, the Bank of Canada has made clear it does not feel its job is done yet. And so the next key date to keep in mind is December 7th. December 7th, that will be the final interest rate announcement for this year. And the BOC has already hinted to expect another rate hike. Reporting live, I'm Raheem Ladani. I'll send it back to you in studio. Thank you, Raheem. Police in Peel have made a big step forward in an effort to get illegal narcotics off our streets. The service today says it has arrested five men, all behind an historic drug bust with links across the GTA and beyond our borders. CTV's Allison Hurst is in Mississauga tonight with the details. Allison. The investigation has been dubbed Project Zuccaritis, and police say that actually means some sort of a sugary cereal. But they said they found that label written on some of the packaging containing the drugs. The large bags of uh, white substance there are the methamphetamine. 383 kilograms of meth, cocaine and ketamine make up Peel Police's record-breaking $25 million drug bust. Over the last 11 months, our specialized enforcement bureau have been investigating a large-scale 
international drug trafficking ring. The investigation led to the arrest of five men facing charges related to drug trafficking. One is in custody in the U.S. According to Illinois court documents, police began investigating Gurdeep Gakul in April 2020. The documents show they had an undercover officer pose as a courier who then used WhatsApp to communicate with him and others about moving drugs. This group was known to be operating commercial businesses to transport illegal drugs into the GTA. Police say Friends Furniture in Mississauga and North King Logistics in Milton were transfer hubs. It's surprising for sure. Rick Nibbs owns a catering company in the same plaza and says he saw police here a couple weeks ago. I think they're undercover. They said I couldn't come through, so they had it block, blocked off the front, the front of the uh, warehouse. Peel Police worked with the Border Enforcement Security Task Force in Buffalo, as well as Homeland Security in Detroit and Chicago. They say the drugs were moved from the U.S. to Canada. Some of the drugs were uh, concealed in the uh, used uh, in the rear of tractor trailers uh, in commercial trucking, uh, concealed within legitimate loads. Police say this seizure was actually over an undisclosed length of time, but they said they didn't find any firearms. But they did get about $70,000. Now, they said with this drug bust, it's already a record-breaking year for how much uh, they've taken off of the streets, now hitting about $40 million. Reporting live, I'm Allison Hurst. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Allison. Still ahead, candy or cannabis? The rise in hospital cases involving children and how you can keep your family safe this coming Halloween. That's coming up a little later this hour. People in Toronto can now book their free flu shot to hopefully curb an expected spike in cases. Toronto Public Health has opened 4,000 appointments for anyone six months and older. The vaccines will be administered starting November 1st. Health cards are not required. Public Health says the virus is already spreading across the city and may worsen as the weather gets colder and people spend more time indoors. As the flu begins to take hold in the city, another troubling illness affecting children is making its rounds. Top doctors in the province say they're seeing a surge in cases of RSV. And as our Sean Lethong explains, the respiratory virus is causing concern for families while pushing hospitals to the brink. A surge in respiratory virus in children has Ontario hospitals sounding the alarm. Uh, so we're seeing a significant number, an increased number of RSV cases. The rise in respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, was the primary reason for the Children's Hospital of Eastern Ontario in Ottawa holding a briefing today, where they're seeing inpatient occupancy at 134%, pediatric ICU occupancy at 129%, and a whopping 254 emergency department visits just yesterday. CHEO nor any of our organizations were built for this kind of demand. CHEO is built to handle about 150 emergency visits per day. But in October, they're averaging 229, nearing last year's record one-day high. RSV admission numbers this October are 10 times the pre-pandemic average. RSV can present like a cold, but can be most severe in kids under 2. Now, a lot of these older children have not been exposed to RSV, so they may get sick, especially if they have uh, underlying conditions like asthma. I left the hospital and I just stood in the parking lot bawling my eyes out because I couldn't believe that this was happening. Amanda Rose's daughter, Katie, was born prematurely, contracting RSV when she was four months old. She had to be flown to sick kids from her home in Sudbury. She almost died because it was so bad. Katie has recovered, but SickKids is saying they're seeing a similar surge to other hospitals. In a statement, SickKids says volumes in our emergency department remain unseasonably high and are increasing as we move into the viral illness season. And 
Typically in October, sick kids would plan for about 220 to 230 patients at our emergency department over a 24-hour period. But recently, the hospital has had days with more than 300 patient visits in a 24-hour period. Suggestions to parents is to get flu and COVID-19 shots. They're also urged to watch for decreased appetite and difficulty breathing when a child is sick. Sick Kids is telling parents to use their online virtual urgent care tool to determine if it's time to bring a child into the emergency room. Sean Lethong, CTV News. To your weather forecast, a soggy and sloppy commute home for a lot of people tonight. A live look at the city at the tail end of a very rainy afternoon. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at the current conditions. The day ending very differently than the way it started. Oh, you're absolutely right, Michelle. And we will continue to see wet weather at least through the early part of this evening. Then conditions are going to start to dry off. The rain will taper off. Uh, here's what it looks like right now on the satellite and radar. We're still in the thick of it, drying out a little bit in Durham region, but not finished with the rain. Uh, wet weather returning to Halton and and peel. I want to mention the winds. They're strengthening at this hour and you can see based on the direction in London versus Toronto right now that we are in for a wind direction change. That will happen as the cold front swings through. Based on the colors here, you might be able to see where that front is. Cooler air is on the way. We had one more day today above seasonal. Tomorrow, a little bit of a different story. We'll talk about the fresher feel that's on the way. Plus a look at your weekend forecast that's coming up. For now though, Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. To a CTV News exclusive tonight and lessons on why you should always check the candy your child may be eating. There are cannabis edibles on the market that look shockingly similar to popular snacks and getting your hands on them is as easy as point and click. Our health mm -hmm. reporter Pauline Chan in studio tonight with the details. Pauline. So these are the edibles that we're talking about. The packaging looks awfully familiar, doesn't it? But even without the packaging, cannabis gummies, chocolates and other treats can be very appealing to children. As you can see, there's a legitimate package. A collection of cannabis edibles bought online in Canada and received through Canada Post. Even as a professional, from a first look, quite challenging to distinguish between the two. Popular candy names mimicked by the makers of unregulated cannabis edibles. Here's the candy and here's the edible. And they're available through several online vendors in Canada. That's a huge concern and, and I think parents should be aware of that. So There's no evidence of anyone deliberately giving out edibles to trick-or-treaters, but Dr. Yaron Finkelstein says children are seeing so many colourful treats at this time of year and the youngest can easily pick up items meant for parents or older siblings. Since cannabis was legalized in Canada, children's hospitals have seen a dramatic jump in cannabis poisonings. It even went up to kids who came in having seizures, breathing difficulties, and some were brought in in full coma. Health Canada issued a public advisory this past spring, pointing out that illicit edibles often contain THC levels much higher than the 10 milligram limit set for legal cannabis products. And I've seen packages of four and 500 milligram of THC in one package. If a child eats that amount, they will become very sick and very likely will become unconscious. Now, these products have been the subject of legal action by the makers of popular candies like Skittles, but it's been very difficult to track down the makers of illegal cannabis edibles. So parents need to be vigilant, especially with kids under age five. I'm Pauline Chan. Nathan? All right, thank you, Pauline. Amid a surging staffing crisis in our province's health care system, the information CTV News has obtained showing what be, might be adding to the issue and the reasons why. That's coming up a little later tonight.
Funeral details have been announced for former Scarborough City Councilor Cynthia Lai. She died on Friday, just days before the municipal election. Lai was running for re-election as Councilor for Ward 23 Scarborough North, a position she had held since 2018. A visitation is set for tomorrow at York Cemetery and Funeral Center, and a celebration of life will be held on Friday at the same location. Books of condolence are available at City Hall and Scarborough Civic Center until Friday. We're going to work with the provincial and federal governments to keep getting the big things done. We're going to get housing built, much more housing and much more affordable and supportive housing in many more places across our city. The promise made by Toronto's mayor moments after securing his third term in the city's election race. Tonight, many are watching his next steps, waiting to see if he'll live up to his word. The housing issue top of his agenda as he made his first public appearance since election night. And he says to get moving on his plan, he is willing to bypass council to do it. CTV's Andrew Brennan is at City Hall tonight with more Andrew. Indeed, Michelle, using strong mayor powers to get there. And it's not just rising interest rates, which we've been talking about today, that people are saying are keeping them out of the housing market. More and more, we're hearing people just saying they can't afford to live here and are worried how long they may stay. For many who call Toronto home, the prospect of owning a home here is about as gloomy as the skies. This is definitely not an affordable city for the working class. Harder and harder to get an um, apartment for reasonable price, even for rental. And I already forgot about uh, owning a property at this point. <laughs> we simply have to do better as a city. Mayor John Tory says it's not by accident his first announcement after winning a third term was on housing. He says his plan for a new development and growth division at City Hall is going ahead. And that I will be using the strong mayor powers to implement it. And I expect this new model will be up and running as a result of all of that by early 2023. This comes the day after the province announced sweeping changes in hopes of getting one and a half million homes built in Ontario in the next decade. Among the changes are overriding municipal zoning rules to build up to three units on a single residential lot. Those as well as new rental and affordable housing would also be exempt from development fees, which in Toronto are some of the highest in North America. And you make those happen by waiving development charges. Architect and urban planner Nama Blonder says 200-unit mid-rises can't be treated like 200-unit towers. And Toronto has a ways to go to meet the new provincial target, 285,000 homes here in 10 years. Let's say 28,000 units a year to be built, by the way, not approved. We are approving 16,000. There's still a pretty, pretty big gap. The current approval process too often, the mayor says, is a quagmire. And that needs to change, and soon. Now, reacting to Mayor, uh, Mayor Tory, reacting to the announcement coming from the province the day before, he did say he and the Ford government seem to be in line on most things. The one issue he does see is making sure that the T's and I's are crossed, so crossed, so that Toronto is not necessarily paying for the development fees that would be lost. Saying that he doesn't want one level of government implementing one thing and then having another foot the bill. Reporting live, I'm Andrew Brennan, and we'll send it back to you, Nathan, inside. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Nikki Kaur says she's been fired without notice from her job at Brampton City Hall after losing to Patrick Brown in the mayoral election. Kaur was the city's director of strategic projects, planning, and building economic development. She released a statement through her lawyer yesterday evening saying, Patrick Brown has once again tried to silence me for alleging wrongdoing and mismanagement at City Hall. I will not be silenced and will never stop standing up for what is right.
Corps adds she'll be fighting this injustice in court. A spokesperson for Mayor Patrick Brown says he would not be commenting. Well, the premier is hitting back tonight against criticism over his decision to avoid testifying at the Federal Emergencies Act inquiry. Doug Ford has been summoned to appear at the hearings into the use of the act and the so-called Freedom Convoy. But he said the focus should be on the Trudeau government, not his. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us tonight with the details. Siobhan. Michelle, Doug Ford used the word federal six times in the one question he answered. Then he punted all the questions over to the government House leader to explain why his presence isn't necessary in Ottawa. Uh, questions to the Premier. Premier, nice to see you today. After a day away, Doug Ford was in the legislature, facing the music over a decision to skip testifying at the Emergencies Act Commission. This was a, a policing matter. It was not a political matter. Stressing top police officials are testifying. This is a federal inquiry into the federal government's decision to use the Federal Emergencies Act. The government has filed legal paperwork with arguments for why the premier and his deputy shouldn't have to answer questions at that inquiry. In the motion, lawyers write, parliamentary privilege prevents members of the Ontario Legislative Assembly from being compelled to testify in any proceeding while the legislature is in session. The opposition says Ontarians deserve answers. Instead, this premier is choosing to hide behind parliamentary privilege? Parliamentary privilege? That's baloney, and everybody in this room knows it. But a former top lawyer for the House of Commons explains... The claim of parliamentary privilege by the premier and the minister is legally sound and is likely to be upheld by the courts. This privilege has been recognized by the Supreme Court of Canada as recently as 2005. Even if the judge gives the premier a win... He's already lost in a higher court, which is public opinion. And by continuing to refuse to testify, he's losing more and more in that court every day. Refusing to testify and face a barrage of attacks is confounding to some political watchers. It leads you to naturally wonder whether whatever it is they don't want to talk about is worse than the grief that they're currently receiving. The government hopes to have their case heard November 1st. Deputy Premier Sylvia Jones has also been called upon to testify. She wasn't in the House yesterday and not again today. And late this afternoon, we've learned that she's tested positive for COVID-19. Her office says that she is abiding by isolation rules and her symptoms are fairly mild. Reporting live from Queen's Park, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Turning now to a disturbing investigation. Toronto police are on the hunt for a suspect who they say has sexually assaulted two young girls in a park. While few details have been released, police say they do have some leads. CTV's Austin Delaney joins us now with more. Austin. Well, police very concerned about this. Two reasons. It happened in broad daylight in a park, Sentinel Park, and the, the age of the two children, two girls aged 10 and 11. They're in this park sometime around the noon hour yesterday when they say they were sexually assaulted by a man. Police say they have a pretty good description of the suspect. He was wearing a green hoodie, black pants, and he had a gray and black knapsack. Here's the key, though. He was riding a black bicycle. Here's what police had to say about this. The uh, suspect uh, that's uh, involved in this case uh, has been described to us as male black, uh, approximately six feet tall, uh, between 40 to 60 years of age. Uh, he has a medium build. Uh, last seen was wearing a dark green hooded sweater, uh, black pants, and he was carrying a gray and white backpack. 
Well, the key to this is the gray and white black backpack and the black bike. They're asking anybody who has dash cam viz or people who are in the area at the time if they saw anything. If they saw a man on a black bicycle yesterday around the noon hour, any time in the afternoon or morning, please give them a call. This is important. They'd like to get him off the streets. Reporting live, I'm Austin Delaney. Thank you, Austin. France has turned down a request to extradite a priest wanted on a Canada-wide warrant. Johanna Rivoire was in this country from the early 1960s to 1993. He is accused of sex crimes against children in Nunavut. Rivoire is now in his 90s and lives in Lyon. Canadian officials are also trying to get Interpol to issue a red notice. It would allow the Rivoire's arrest if he left France. Hundreds of current and former Canadian gymnasts are reviewing their call for independent investigation of the sport. I think it's really necessary to get at the root or the rot, if I should say, of this uh, toxic culture. More than 500 have written an open letter to Canada's Minister of Sport. They've been pushing Ottawa for a probe into allegations of emotional, physical and sexual abuse. Pascal St. Ann says that should be done through the new Office of the Sport Integrity Commissioner. But the gymnasts say that won't go far enough. They first appealed to the government seven months ago. Kimberly Pullman is back on home soil tonight and behind bars. She is one of two Canadian women with alleged links to ISIS who were arrested this week after returning from Syria. The other now faces terror-related offenses. CTV's Melanie Nagy reports. In the early morning darkness, two women flew into Montreal, arriving in Canada after years spent in a Syrian detention camp for families of ISIS fighters. RCMP officers arrested Umay Shway at the Montreal Trudeau Airport. RCMP have now charged Shway with four terrorism-related offences. They say she's been under investigation since 2014. Ms. Shway allegedly travelled to Syria and Iraq to join the Islamic State terrorist group. The 27-year-old left Syria with her two children earlier this week. She was also traveling with Kimberly Pullman, who went to Syria in 2015 after meeting an ISIS member online and marrying him. These are our Canadian citizens. If you have evidence to charge them, bring them home and let them have a, a fair trial here in Canada. I was incredibly naive. Pullman, who spoke to CTV News during her Syrian detention, has also been arrested. Her lawyer says she'll now reside in B.C. where her family lives. He also says she needs medical attention. The primary reason that she was uh, repatriated was because of her uh, very, uh, very serious uh, health condition. Last year, U.N. human rights experts called on Canada to urgently repatriate Pullman because of a life-threatening illness. The Canadian government has done absolutely nothing to help these families. Advocates say dozens of other Canadians are still being held in Syria. They want the federal government to move faster on their repatriation. Today in Ottawa, the Prime Minister wouldn't comment on the two women, but he firmly stated anyone found supporting terrorists should face criminal charges. You cannot get away with supporting terrorism in this country, regardless of the circumstances. While there are a few details about the repatriation, Global Affairs Canada says the U.S. helped with the release. As for the children, police say they're in the care of extended family and youth protection. Melanie Nagy, CTV News, Vancouver. The share of Canada's population who are immigrants is at its highest level ever. They made up nearly one quarter of all people here last year, and that's the most among G7 countries. The latest data shows immigrants are projected to represent one-third of people in Canada by 2041. 
Stats Canada also says immigration is the main driver of population growth, in part because of the aging population and low fertility rates. Immigrants made up four out of five new workers in the labor force between 2016 and 2021. Most newcomers are now from Asia, including the Middle East. One in five people coming to Canada were born in India. It's the top country of birth for recent arrivals. The Philippines and China are second and third, respectively. It could be an indication of a more engaged stance towards Africa. Prime Minister Trudeau is hosting the head of the African Union Commission in Ottawa this evening. The visit comes at a time when China and Russia are making a push for influence across the continent. Similar to the European Union, the African Union aims to maintain peace and free trade among its member countries. The visit will continue into tomorrow. And they'll include Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie, who will also hold talks with America's top diplomat on Thursday. Antony Blinken will visit Ottawa and Montreal nearly a month after hosting his Canadian counterpart. The U.S. Secretary of State will also sit down with Justin Trudeau to discuss Russia's war on Ukraine, the humanitarian crisis in Haiti, and refugee resettlement in North America. Coming up, overworked, their pay caps, the extent at which Ontario nurses are packing up and moving to the U.S., a CTV News investigation into nursing migration. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, there continues to be long delays at the landlord and tenant board, and some landlords say some tenants are taking advantage of the situation. They're refusing to pay rent or move out. We have one family story. I'll have the details. That's just ahead. Well, after a stretch of temperatures above seasonal, we see more seasonal values over the next few days here in southern Ontario. And that means daytime highs in the low double digits and overnight lows in the single digits. Six degrees for tonight. By this time tomorrow, though, we are going to be talking about the potential for frost. Coming up, we have your full weather forecast. Your Halloween photos are coming up, too. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. The pandemic caused huge delays at Ontario's landlord and tenant board. And some landlords say it's led to some tenants abusing the system. If a tenant moves in and refuses to pay the rent, in many cases, trying to have them evicted could take as long as a year. Here's Pat Foran and Consumer Alert. Pat. Nathan and Michelle, a Toronto woman says she became concerned when her tenant stopped paying the rent earlier this year. She then found out the tenant has done this before with another landlord. Now she's worried she could lose her home. The landlord of this Mississauga home says the tenants inside paid first and last month's rent. When they moved in, they paid one more month and then stopped paying. Why are you recording me? Uh, the landlord has complained that you're not paying your rent. I'm one small landlord with one property. Tojeg Roshankar owns the home as a single parent who also cares for her mother. She says she's owed $13,000 in rent and utilities. She became more concerned when she found out her tenant, Shaz Stephen Reed, and her sister, Shironi Tynes, had an eviction hearing earlier this year after failing to pay their former landlord almost $10,000. I learned about the whole patterns they get into a tenancy agreement pay the first and last and stop paying with various reasons we tried asking reed about allegations she is a professional tenant but she didn't want to speak with us get the, well, the landlord says that you're not paying uh, your rent get the camera on my feet. Then, okay 
Advocates for landlords say there are so many delays at the landlord tenant board that if you get a tenant that decides not to pay rent, they could still be in your home for as long as a year. You can expect to wait 10 months before a hearing date and the tenant does not have to pay rent during that time. They, they do have to pay rent during that time, but they won't because they're using the system to their advantage. A group advocating for small landlords says professional tenants should face eviction hearings right away. If you run a tenant's name and you see that this is number three, that they're being brought to the LTD for an L1 application, let's bring that person to the front of the line so we don't have another landlord victim. In a statement, the Landlord and Tenant Board said processing times are longer than we wish them to be. New and adjourned matters are currently being scheduled on average within seven to eight months. Roshan Carr says she can't wait much longer. I have no idea at this point how am I going to fund her free accommodations. And the board says it's trying to add staff and shorten wait times for hearings. The landlord group says some landlords are forced to walk away from their properties because they can't sell them and they can't force the tenant to move out. On your side, I'm Pat Foreign. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. All right, a bit of a cloudy, gloomy day with all the rain still hanging around. Hopefully it clears soon. It, you know what? It's a super soaker, but we're getting that drenched um, environment, and then it should move out, right? It's not like a multi-day event. Exactly. This is kind of a one-off, and really, we haven't had many days like this so far in October. Our rainfall totals are below average. Uh, this weather, though, is more typical of November, and I have a feeling we're going to be seeing a few more days like this in the month ahead. But... For the short-range forecast, this is it. Drier conditions once we move past tonight. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Uh, before we can get to tomorrow, though, we have some very strong winds to deal with. And I just want to show you the current gusts because they're strengthening right now. Uh, close to 50 kilometers per hour in the city of Toronto, now tapping into a bit of a northwest wind. So the cool down is imminent. And when I say cool down, it's all relative. We've been above seasonal. So really Really, we're cooling down to what's typical for this time of year. We're not looking at a deep freeze or anything quite yet. Here's the satellite and radar imagery. Depending on where you're joining us from in the GTA, you might just be dealing with some mist or some drizzle. In other areas, uh, the heavier, steadier rain has returned once again. Over the next couple of hours, we will see this low start to pull away. The rainfall will taper off uh, by mid to late evening. I think conditions are going to be drier around the GTA. Look at that. There's some snow falling in northern parts of Ontario. So we'll say goodbye to that low and the cold front associated with it. Winds are going to be strong right through the evening hours tonight, maybe gusting to about 60 kilometers per hour and then starting to ease once we move past midnight. Maybe still a little breezy at times tomorrow. High pressure, though, is going to be in place, and that means clear skies and a return to sun sunshine. Here's the forecast radar. So once we get to about midnight or 1 a.m., we are more certainly dry and the cloud cover is going to start to break up. It should have moved out by about tomorrow morning. Uh, still some lingering fair weather cloud in some areas, but for the most part, a sunny day. Friday looking similar, perhaps a layer of cloud cover in the morning hours, but generally speaking, a pretty nice day. Now we mentioned overnight tonight, we're dropping to a low of about six degrees. The normal temperature 
temperature overnight for this time of year is four. So we're much closer to where we expect to be at this time of year. Partly cloudy skies, that chance of showers and winds out of the northwest. Waking up tomorrow morning again, maybe some cloud lingering, but the sun should break through also. Uh, single digits to start things off. In the afternoon, we're forecasting that we will climb into the double digits. 12 is what we're calling for at this point. That's pretty well where we expect to be at this point in the month of October. The average temperature or the seasonal norm is 11. A good day to get outside and maybe do some fall cleanup uh, with those winds tonight. My goodness, a lot of leaves going to be blowing off the trees. And maybe you've noticed in your neighborhood that uh, the leaf fall is certainly happening now that uh, colors are past peak and temperatures are starting to cool. Speaking of which, tomorrow night, the overnight low could be around 2 degrees, so potential for frost as we're waking up on Friday morning. The weekend's looking pleasant. In fact, Friday right through Sunday, we're near seasonal. We've got a mix of sun and cloud in the forecast, and now all eyes are on Monday. It, of course, is Halloween. Right now, we're forecasting cloudy skies with a chance of showers, but an afternoon high of 13. Not bad. That's the weather for now, Nathan. I'll send it over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. After the break, the state of youth sports post-pandemic. Sobering results from a new study. What was revealed amid efforts to change the game for kids. On air, online, on every platform. Escape tragedy by mere moments. CTV News Toronto. A story you'll only see here. Winner of the Canadian Screen Award for Best Local Newscast. We have developing details. Watch weeknights at 6. The Toronto Raptors will face Philadelphia tonight for the first time since being bounced from last year's playoffs by the 76ers. The Raps are looking for their second win in a row after beating the Heat in Miami Monday. Tonight, they're back at home to take on the one in three Sixers. Scotty Barnes is listed as questionable. Tip-off is at 7.30. A local charity is looking to change lives through the spirit and power of teamwork. This comes after a year-long study revealed young people across Ontario are struggling to access affordable ways to play sports. CTV's Janice Golding has the details. With pandemic restrictions lifted, kids are back playing sports. But as the Change the Game study shows, there are still significant barriers for many youngsters. It's unfortunate because it kind of gets shattered once you realize rep leagues cost money, equipments cost money. Money's an issue and so is access. So like going to practice and getting a ride because I, I never had a ride. I always just take TTC or take a go train all the way to Vaughan. MLSE Foundation, alongside U of T's Center for Sport Policy Study, surveyed more than 8,200 youth, talking to them about engagement, equity, and culture. The results? Sobering. Researchers say post-pandemic, sport is losing kids on the margins. Because they don't feel represented, because sport's too expensive, because there's a focus on winning when they want to focus on fun and inclusion, and because we're not providing opportunities that are easily accessible in terms of money, um, uh, access to facilities, the amount of travel that's involved. Because it's mainly male and very competitive. And that's not always what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'd like to just enjoy sports sometimes, you know. The report highlights the importance of sport for belonging, saying 23% of youth who participated in sports said they had a strong sense of community compared to only 7% who do not participate. Change the Game also noted sports' impact on mental health. 60% of kids without access to sport reported deteriorating mental health in the past year compared to 40% who had been able to play a sport. Another serious issue raised is that more than 80% of youth reported having no one to talk to if they had experienced racism or discrimination in sports. 
youth really told us that they fear coming forward with these types of issues uh, because of the repercussions that they might face and because they also just doubt that no one would do anything about it. Now we have the opportunity to come together and set a new standard to be exceptional together. The report did make some recommendations, key among them widespread free or low-cost accessible sport, a focus on sport for development of life skills and fostering a positive culture of inclusion, meaning recruiting, training, programming and team building. Janice Golding, CTV News. Well, they must have liked them. The People's Choice Awards are bringing back Kenan Thompson. The veteran Saturday Night Live star is going to host the award show for a second straight year. Thompson says he's beyond excited, and he's also nominated for his work on SNL. The People's Choice Awards will be held December 6th in Santa Monica. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Men's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Work-Life Balancing Act, tomorrow on CP24 Breakfast. How to set healthy boundaries to reduce the stress of juggling it all. CP24 Breakfast, where Toronto gets its everything every morning. Young people today are having a difficult time making it into the housing market. It's incredibly difficult for them. It is definitely going to impact my inner mortgage payments, right? So hopefully the the... The result would be to, you know, the house pricing would go down. Updating our top stories, the Bank of Canada raised its key interest rate by half a percentage point, marking a sixth straight increase. The central bank says more hikes are expected as it works to tamp down inflation. What you see here before you serves as more evidence of our collective commitment towards erasing organized crime and the type of organized crime which targets our communities. Bill Police announcing the largest drug bust in the service's history. More than $25 million worth seized following an 11-month investigation into a trafficking ring alleged to have operated in the GTA and the U.S. It even as a professional, from a first look, quite challenging to distinguish between the two. Parents are being urged to keep a closer eye on their children's candy this Halloween. Popular candy brands are being mimicked by makers of unregulated cannabis edibles, which could lead to serious illness if ingested by kids. If you regularly drive downtown, you should expect more traffic than usual. Starting tomorrow, Adelaide from University to Bay Street will be reduced to one shared lane for construction. The city says this is part of a bigger project to replace a 100-year-old water main that stretches from York Street to Victoria Street. The work will also include the reinstatement of eastbound streetcar tracks from Charlotte to York Street. It's not yet clear when construction will be completed. Gas prices are set to skyrocket again after rising six cents a liter overnight. They will go up seven cents Thursday to just under a dollar seventy-four cents a liter, according to gas guru Dan McTagg. That'll be some of the highest prices we've seen since mid-August. The Bank of Canada raised its key overnight lending rate, but less than what many analysts were expecting. That initially led to a drop in the Canadian dollar. As BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen tells us, a weaker loonie is making the Bank of Canada's job harder to tame inflation. 
The Canadian dollar dipped as many currency traders had been betting that the Bank of Canada would raise interest rates even higher. The loonie has weakened against the greenback over the past two months by more than 5%. While it's still the best performing major currency against the U.S. dollar this year, the central bank acknowledged it's adding to inflation in this country because anything Canadians need to buy that is priced in U.S. dollars is more expensive when the Canadian dollar is weak from imported food or business machinery or even vacations. And it may be an added challenge for the central bank and Canadians that they have to deal with for some time. The Bank of Canada lowered its expectation for the loonie from 78 cents U.S. to 74 cents uh, going forward. And the big tech earnings continued tonight. Meta reported after markets closed. And while it beat revenue estimates for this quarter, it lowered guidance for next quarter, saying it faces challenges ahead. And it says its reality labs and other metaverse initiatives could keep losing money. Shares in Meta are tumbling in after-hours trading. It follows disappointing earnings from Google's parent company, Alphabet. Digital advertising for Alphabet slowed and dragged on its results. Alphabet shares dropped more than 9% today. Meanwhile, shares of Shaw Communications surged today on hopes that the Rogers Shaw Takeover 2.0 could get approved. The federal government officially ruled against Rogers buying Shaw outright because it's concerned it would limit competition. But the telecom companies had already worked on another deal to try to solve that. Shaw is planning to sell off most of its wireless business to Quebec or so there could be a fourth national player. The industry minister says he would approve of that deal with conditions, which is leading some analysts to believe the revised Rogers-Shaw deal could also go through. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading slightly higher at 73.73 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil gained more than $2 to almost $88 U.S. a barrel. And Western Canadian Select also gained about $2 to roughly $60 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX ended the day higher by about 180 points to 19,279.76. That is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. Tonight, following the money trail of the Ontario man who calls himself the Crypto King, the lavish lifestyle of a 23-year-old trader accused of scamming clients out of millions. That story and more later on CTV National News. Get Toronto's top stories, breaking news alerts, and watch live. Download the CTV News app. Built like a little tank, one of the newest additions at a zoo in northwest England is making its debut. This greater one-horned rhino calf was born 12 days ago after her mother's 16-month pregnancy. This type of rhino is very rare and is endangered. There are currently fewer than 3,000 of them in the wild, mainly in India and Nepal. A Nova Scotia woman is the seventh oldest person in Canada and is approaching another milestone birthday. CTV's Ryan McDonald has more on the preparations. I'll soon have a birthday. That's right. Beatrice Jensen has celebrated a lot of birthdays in her life. In fact, that's a pretty big understatement. 110 years old. To put into perspective how long she's been around, Beatrice was born the same year the Titanic sank. On the day of the moon landing, she was already 56. 29 and holding, right? 
Or put yet another way, she's 29 with 81 more years experience. She has a very bubbly personality. Um, it's really remarkable for someone who's 110 years old to when you go in, you're greeted with this smile from ear to ear and, and big, big blue eyes. Beatrice was born in Newfoundland on November 3rd, 1912. She moved here to New Waterford more than 80 years ago when her soon-to-be husband got a job in the coal mines. In her remarkable life, she's had two children, five grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, and two great-great-grandchildren. 110, like we've said, does not come very often, so they, they want to go all out. Staff here at Maple Hill Manor have planned a big bash for her birthday a week from Thursday. We're going to have music, we're going to have family coming in and friends from the community. Between now and the big birthday on November 3rd, there's a campaign underway to get Beatrice as many birthday cards as possible between now and then. And it's all being headed up by someone who's quite a bit younger than her, to say the very least. I'm 15 years old. When Beatrice was Nate Boone's age, it was the late 1920s. In a touch of wisdom beyond his years, he studies super centenarians and says she just might be the oldest person in Nova Scotia and could rank as high as seventh in the country. He figures that's worth at least a few birthday cards. I'm trying to um, get people to send her wishes to me and then I'll paste them on a poster board or if they prefer to make it more personal, they can send me an envelope. The goal for now is 110 birthday cards for 110 years. So has she ever spilled her secret to such longevity? She hasn't, but I don't know. Maybe it's, it's got to be the smile. <laughs> a smile that will have a moment in the spotlight when her 110 candles are blown out next week. Ryan McDonald, CTV News, New Waterford. Well, happy birthday to her. Mm -hmm. Okay, get us through this rain and yes. into the days ahead. Okay, so this evening we're going to continue to see a few showers out there uh, tapering off gradually as the evening goes on. We'll begin right away with a look at the satellite and radar to show you who is seeing some wet weather right now and then who, uh, well, you know, is starting to clear out. That's mainly in the West GTA. That's some good news. This will continue on and off for the next couple of hours before drying out. Our next best opportunity for a few showers in the seven-day forecast, I hate to say it it's Halloween but we're keeping an eye on the forecast things could change I certainly will be moder monitoring this over the next couple of days all right Nathan and Michelle are you ready for some Halloween photos okay this one is from <laughs> Margaret and that is a baby Yoda pumpkin how great is that love it and uh, you know what Mary has a pretty spooky looking display happening in Toronto I love it and one more photo to share with you Aww. that's a great looking pirate isn't it Absolutely. Dillis. Dillis the pirate. And if you want to share your photos with us, we would love to see them. Keep them coming on social media. We'll be sharing them the rest of the week here on CTV News at 6. Nathan and Michelle. Cool. The pups and costumes never gets old. Just amazing. True. All right, be sure to join Omar Sajidina tonight at 11.30 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 11.30. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.